Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com This week we finished the book of Shemot of Exodus with Parasha Pekudei and Parasha Pekudei uh, is a continuation of the last four parashas uh, in which we've been in which the Torah has been giving us all the measurements, dimensions, materials, specifications of the building of the tabernacle, the sanctuary, the Mishkan in the desert. So, so it's interesting to note that in the five books of Moses, We've taught, we're taught that there's not one letter missing, there's not one extra word, nothing is more, nothing is less, everything is exact. Uh, as a matter of fact, the five books of Moses contain 79,976 words and 304,805 uh, letters. And the Talmud states that uh, there's uh, nothing is missing there. It's more Rabbi Akiva added crowns to the letters, which came in his time, that in the times of Moses, when he went up to heaven to bring down the, 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 the Luchot, the Ten Commandments, he went to the to the academy of Rabbi Akiva and he sat there, the Midrash tells us, and he sat there and he was listening to Rabbi Akiva and he could not understand Rabbi Akiva's Torah. And he went to, to Hashem and he said to Hashem, how can it be that I am the one that's receiving the Torah from you? I'm bringing it, bringing it down to the world, to the earthly abode. I'm giving it to the people and I'm sitting in the academy of Rabbi Akiva who lived in the times of the second temple and I cannot understand one word of, of his Torah. So Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, he said, because the Torah of Rabbi Akiva is the same Torah that you're being taught. The difference is that in the times of Rabbi Akiva, it needs to be taught in a different way. But his Torah is actually your Torah. So, so the entire sections in the Torah are seemingly superfluous. Uh, the two last parashas of the, of, the, of the book of Shemot, which are Vayakel and Pekudei, which in regular years are read together because one holds the hand of the other. This year, because we have a leap year, we read them separately, but they repeat again and again how the Jewish people built the Mishkan. And the, the previous parashas, parashas of Terumah and Tetzavim, were already all these details given to us, the same details and God's instructions to Moshe on how to build the Mishkan regarding the construction, regarding the materials, the vessels, the, the, the furniture, everything that would come into the Mishkan down from the hooks to the holy ark and why is it again repeated almost word by word it's more uh, Rashi has almost nothing to comment in these two parashas there's almost no words that come out from him and it not, we know from here that it's it's a repetition of the last two two parashas the last two three parashas and he's and he says no need to repeat that which has been already stated already, says Rashi. So, 
in a single sentence, like the Jewish people made the sanctuary exactly as God had commanded Moses, would have been sufficient to, again, make us note of all these specifications that were given to us in the previous parashas. So, so one of the worst mistakes a speaker can have or a writer is when they're repetitive and they're repeating the same thing and the same thing that makes people lose uh, interest in whatever they're saying they get uh, disappointed and, and, and anxious because they don't get to the point so if this is the case why would the parasha do, do this to us so there's a few commentators that have different uh, ideas and approaches to this situation one is Arba Banel who was a, a Portuguese a commentator of the Torah that lived in the mid-1400s. And he says that this is done because Hashem wants to show, show us that the order of the building of the tabernacle was changed. From Terumah, uh, it repeated the construction process to indicate that only the order was changed, but the measurements and the weights were not changed. So this is Arbanel's approach, and it's intriguing, intriguing uh, because it really doesn't explain it enough. And, didn't, and he did, didn't need to repeat the whole parasha, and doesn't uh, address why it was necessary to repeat everything again regarding Aaron's garb because it repeats again what the Kohen had to wear and how it had to be uh, fashioned in Picudet again it's, it goes all over again with that and then Rabbi Aha who was a Babylonian sage of the Talmud said the ordinary conversation of the servants of the patriarchs is more beloved before the omni omnipresent than the Torah of their sons. And here he's uh, alluding to Eliezer's recount of when he went to look for a bride for Isaac, that uh, Abraham sent him to look for a wife. And he repeats it again, word by word, of what happened to him. The Torah tells us the whole account, and then he comes back to Abraham and repeats it word by word. And what uh, Rabbi Aha is explaining to us is that when something is so precious to Hashem, he repeats it, he repeats it numerous times to make us know that for him this is precious. So Arbarbanel is from the idea that there were some differences between one par two parashas and the other two parashas and that's why it was repeated. Uh, Rabbi Aha tells us that this is cherished for Hashem, that uh, the topics earn more uh, real state in Torah, uh, in the Torah canon from where we understand the Mishkan is very cherished indeed for Hashem. And it's the physical testimony of God's forgiveness of the, of the sin of the golden calf. And then comes Rashi. And he comments on the first verse of the parasha, the Mishkan was testimony for Israel that the Holy One, blessed is he, forgave them for the incident of the golden calf. So uh, basically what he's saying is that Hashem wants to make sure that we know that he forgave us. This is a Rashi's approach. And, uh, and that he caused his Shekhinah to rest amongst them because he had forgiven them. And then there's a deeper level of understanding of this situation uh, at the end of this book of the Torah. 
And what it's trying to tell us is that Torah is not, the Torah is not actually repeating itself at all. It is discussing two distinct sanctuaries. It's talking about two different sanctuaries, one which is the heavenly model, which is in, in, in the holy realm of God, in, up there in heaven, and then there's a terrestrial model of the sanctuary that is actually down here in our world. And um, so Teruma and Tetzaveh outline the structure of the heavenly model, the composition of the sanctuary, as it was transmitted by Hashem to Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, and this is the heavenly potential of the sanctuary. This is what Hashem envisioned of, of, the, of the sanctuary. And then the, the last two parashas, Vayakel and Pekudei, actually encapsulate the, the, the physical, terrenal um, tabernacle that is the one that actually existed in the lower realms. So one is an image, is a vision of the home that Hashem desired to dwell in. Like for example, if you're gonna build a home, you have a dream of this home. You, you have an idea of what you want in a home. You, have, you want this, you need this, you sit with the architect and you have this, all these uh, dreams of your perfect home. And then when you come to build it, the architect tells you, you know what, but we don't have enough space for this. We don't have enough space for this. If you're gonna do this room, then you cannot do this other room. Or if you're gonna do this, then you cannot do that. And then from the, from the dream home, then you have your actual home, which is also a dream home, but it's not the, the ideal of what you had first in your mind. So Vayakeh in Pekudei, Moshe descends from the glory of Sinai and, the, the, and he comes to bring the practical mission of building a physical home for God in the world. And although it, it resembles a Hashem's blueprint of his spiritual counterpart, nevertheless, it, um, it was built by mortals and it was not built by angels. So it's built by flawed people. So the, the, the sanctuary is not the perfection of the heavenly model. So in practical terms, uh, for us to understand this concept, uh, we have to understand this is two sanctuaries that reflect the two lives most of us must deal with. So we all have a potential of ourselves up in heaven. There's someone that we should become. It, when Hashem fashioned us, this is what He saw. This is what we are meant to be. And, um, and it's interesting because the Rebbe, the Rebbe Lubavitch, he used to stand hours giving dollars to people. He was in his 80s, he was sick, and he was standing for hours, hours, hours giving dollars and blessings. And once someone asked him how he could do it, how did, how did he have the strength to stand for hours, maybe 10 hours? And he said, because when I'm giving these dollars, I'm not looking at, 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 at a person, I'm looking at their potential. And that gives me the strength to be able to stand there and give them the, the, the brahas. So there's a part of us, this impotential, it is who we have the capacity to become, and that's up there in heaven. And then there's a part of us that's down here in this terrestrial world that has to deal with the world, with life, with the, 
everything that comes with it. And, um, and that sets us back because sometimes we're, we have issues in our lives that don't allow us to be the person we should be, the person that we're meant to become. So astonishingly, astonishingly at the end of this week's portion, we are told that it was only in the second century which means the, 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 the sanctuary that was brought down to this world, that the divine presence came to recite. He said, build me a sanctuary so I can dwell in them. And it's in this tabernacle that went in the desert for 40 years, accompanying the Jewish people till they got to the promised land. And then it was with them till the, till, till the King, King Solomon built the, the temple. And it's been with us. Maybe right now we don't have it in, 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 in the material form, but we all have it inside of us. And, and we're all yearning and working very hard to bring the heavenly structure down to this earth, which is the one that will never be destroyed because it was made by God. So the divine presence came to reside in this sanctuary. And why did Hashem choose to dwell in the physical sanctuary? Why does God want to dwell in this world? Why doesn't he stay in heaven? It's more comfortable. It's nice there. Because God wished to express his truth and eternity within the physical abode. He wants us to reveal him in this world. This is the whole purpose of, of creation, is that Hashem has a place down here. That people talk about him, that people behave in a way that is godly, that it's, it's, it's holy. That uh, whatever act a person does, he, they, uh, the revelation of Hashem can be felt and seen. So this world is a mortal world, it's a fragmented world, it's a world in which we are full of flaws, but nevertheless it is in this imperfect world that we can find the way to perfection and in that way we can really bring heaven down to earth. So I want to wish you a blessed week, a Rosh Chodesh Tov, a Wednesday night is Rosh Chodesh, it's the second month of Adar in which we start celebrating Purim and our joy should be increased and remember, live a little higher. Thank you.